All right. Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome to Grace Community Church Wednesday night service. Thank you all for being here in person. It's good to see all of you. And uh, thank you for tuning in if you're watching online. If this is your first time watching, my name is Wade, and we're glad to have you. Uh, let me go ahead and open us up in a word of prayer, and then we'll get into tonight's message. Father, I just thank you for another opportunity to get up here and, and preach what you've laid on my heart this week. And God, I just pray that you would be with everybody here and everybody watching online. God, just open our hearts and our minds to hear what it is that you have to say to us tonight. And Lord, I do pray for all the people that were in that wreck in Jefferson City. I just pray for all of them, Lord, that you would be there with them. And if they don't know you, I pray that this would be the thing that would uh, lead them into a relationship with you, Lord. And I just pray that you'd be with all the emergency workers and help them to be able to do their jobs. Lord, I just pray for all of us that are sick, that are not able to be here. I just pray that you would help them to heal quickly so that they can get back in here. And I pray that you would comfort them, Lord, while they are sick. And Lord, I just pray that you'd be with my daughter and help her arm to heal so that she can get back to work and get back to doing the things that she likes to be doing, too. Father, we love you, and we just thank you for loving us. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, well, it's been a couple of weeks since I was here. I was in West Virginia last week. I went up to visit my, my daughter and, my, and her family, my granddaughter and my son-in-law. While I was up there, my daughter broke her arm pretty bad. She had to have surgery on it, and they put a couple of plates in it and some screws. So she's at home trying to heal from that. So y'all keep her in your prayers if you would and those teenagers that Jed was talking about. But uh, last time, a couple weeks ago, we started a new series on good and evil. And if you missed that first message, you can find it on our uh, church Facebook page or YouTube or Podbean. And I'll go over the first five points briefly, but I don't have time to go, go over all of them in detail again. But the first point was we have to choose good. You know, there's good and evil, so the first thing is to choose good over evil. And, uh, you know, point one was about how are we supposed to choose good if we don't even know what good is. And, uh, you know, I told you a couple of weeks ago that starts with Jesus. We have to realize our need for a Savior and sur surrender our lives to Christ. And I told you last time, too, it doesn't do any good just to tell somebody that you need Jesus, you know, and just walk away and leave them hanging. That don't do anybody any good. We have to explain to them, you know, why they need Jesus and what that looks like. And we use the verse in Romans chapter 10 and verse 14. It says, how then shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? You know, what Paul's saying there is we have to explain the gospel to people. We have to explain to them why they need a Savior, not just tell them that they need one. And uh, not just give them an ultimatum, like I said, and just tell them you need Jesus and leave them hanging. They need to know about how sin entered into the world. And because of that, we're born with a sin nature that leads us to death. And that's why we need a Savior. And they need to know that there is salvation in Jesus that leads us to life. And then they have to choose for themselves. 
you know, life or death. So that was step one last time, or point one last time. We have to choose good. We have to realize our need for a Savior and choose to go in that direction. And point two was we have to prove good in our lives. After we've chosen good and we have surrendered our life to Jesus, we proved that we've made that choice by being obedient to him, by being obedient to God and obedient to God's word, by doing his will over my own will, and by letting God transform us by the renewing of our mind instead of being conformed to the world. Uh, we read that a couple of weeks ago in Romans 12 and verse 2. That's what it says. It says, be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So that's how we prove that we've chosen good. We let God change us, and uh, we're obedient to him. And point three was we have to cleave to what is good. And uh, we read this out of Romans 12 in verse 9. Uh, I think we read both translations last time. But the King James says, let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. Can you do the NLT on that one too, Travis? But the NLT says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong and hold tightly to what is good. So the NLT says, don't just pretend, but be genuine in our love. Be genuine in our faith. Be genuine in our choice that we chose good. And, uh, you know, what Paul's saying there is, you know, don't let your faith be fake. If you're saying you're a Christ follower, actually be a Christ follower and be obedient to God. Don't let our, don't let our faith just be pretend and just for show. Let it be genuine. You know, when we come to Christ, we need to stand firm in our decision and not be wishy-washy in our faith and uh, not let the world lead us to making compromises because of peer pressure from other people or what society says. When we come to Christ, if we're doing it right, we don't fit into today's society. Uh, that's one good way to judge whether you're living for Jesus or not because if you truly are, then there's very few places that you're going to go that you fit in. Society's not looking for God, and they're not leading you towards God. So if you're going against the grain, don't take that the wrong way. Don't think of something's wrong. You're going to get that if you're really following Christ. <clears throat> but we can't let that cause us to compromise our faith. We've got to be firm in our faith. And like that verse said, we have to cleave to what is good, even when, even when it's hard to do what's right. Uh, point four a couple of weeks ago was we've got to work out what is good. And our verse for that was uh, in Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. It says, Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. In verse 13, it says, For it is God which works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. <coughs> I, I love verse 13, you know, where it says God does all the work. If I just stay submitted to him, then He not, he'll give me the will to do what is good. You know, a lot of times we'll know what's good, but 
you know, it's not my will to do that. And I know it's God's will for me to do that, but it goes against my will to do it. But if I'm submitted to God, then he gives me the will to do what is good, and he gives me the strength to do it. So we work it out in our daily lives, choice by choice, and decision by decision by, by being obedient to God and what his will is and not our own, choosing his will over our will in every choice. You know, that's why it's so important to get in God's word so that you'll have it in your heart and you'll know what decision to make when the time comes. You know, if you've never read God's word, if you don't have it in you, and when it comes to come, you know, comes time to make a decision, then that's all we're left with is our will and my own understanding. And that's why it's important to get in God's word, get involved in a small group and Bible studies, because you can't obey something that you don't know. Uh, Psalm 119 and verse 11, that's what it says there. Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Once we have God's word inside of us and we're surrendered to Christ, then the Holy Spirit will bring those things to mind. You know, when we get in a situation and we don't really know what to do, then it will it'll pop in your mind, well, God's word says this. And then it becomes simple. Okay, that's what God's word says. All I have to do is choose to do it his way and not mine. So we need to know what God's word says so that we can be obedient to it. And that's how we work out uh, our own salvation. Point five was there's only two choices. There's good and evil. Uh, I used a, a stupid illustration last time, and I'm going to use it again tonight. You know, I said, we're not banana pudding. You can have good banana pudding, and you can have bad banana pudding. But we're not banana pudding. We're not good or bad. We are either good or we are evil. And uh, there is no in-between. You know, there's not good people and bad people. There are people that are surrendered to God and obedient to God. And then there's people that are still obeying their sin nature. And if you're obeying a, a sin nature, that's not bad. That is evil. We're choosing evil over good when we do that. Uh, Matthew 12, verses 30 and 31. This is Jesus talking. He said, he that is not with me is against me. And he that gathers not with me scatters abroad. In verse 31, it says, Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men. But the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. So when we reject Jesus, we are still in our sin nature. You know, in Christ, when God looks at us, he sees Jesus Christ. He don't see us. He don't see our sin. We are forgiven. We're under the blood of Christ. But when we choose not to be surrendered to Christ, when God looks at us, he still sees our sin nature. <clears throat> and like I said, there is no in-between. When God sees us, he either sees Jesus and we belong to him, or he sees our sin nature if we do not belong to him. And it's our choice whether we belong to him or not. Uh, and I tell you all the time that God don't condemn anybody. But if we haven't chosen to give our lives to Jesus and surrendered to him, then we have condemned ourselves. I said that to somebody last week, and they was like, we don't condemn ourselves. God condemns us, and God does not condemn us. We choose not to surrender to him. You know, the I know everybody here probably knows the famous verse, John three sixteen. 
you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But John 3, 18 tells you exactly what I'm telling you. It says, he that believes on him, on Jesus, is not condemned. But he that believes not is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. That don't say God condemns anybody. That says we condemn ourselves because we don't believe the gospel and we don't surrender our lives to him. Uh, so that is an overview of the first five points from the, the last message. And like I said, if you missed it, you can find it online. So uh, we're going to pick back up where we left off a couple of weeks ago. And we're going to go straight into point six. Point six is do what is good. Uh, Pastor Josh preached on these verses a couple of weeks ago, a couple of Sundays ago. But I'm going to use these tonight, too. In Romans 13, verses 1 through 5, it's talking about being subject to authorities, subject to our government that we live in, subject to rules, subject, subject to, you know, just any kind of authority that is over us. Those over us in school, if you're going to school, uh, at work, if you have a job, or at church, if you go to church, everywhere we go, we're under authority somewhere. And ultimately, we're all under God's authority, and we should be no matter where we are, at home, at church, at work, at school. We're always under authority. And we as people have a real problem with authority. But I want to read verses 1 through 5. It says, Everyone must submit to governing authorities, for all authority comes from God. And uh, we like to argue with that, that all authority does not come from God. But the Bible plainly says that it does. And those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And they will be punished. For the authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing right, but in those who are doing wrong. Would you like to live without fear of the authorities? Do what is right and they will honor you. The authorities are God's servants sent for your good. But if you're doing wrong, of course you should be afraid, for they have the power to punish you. They are God's servants sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. So you must submit to them not only to avoid punishment, but also to keep a clear conscience. And we'll come back to that verse here in just a few minutes. <coughs> But we've got to be submitted to authorities, and we do have a real hard time with that. But without being submitted to authorities, it's impossible to do what is good. It's impossible to be a, a faithful follower of Christ and live in rebellion to institutions and, and people that God has put into place. Uh, you know, I tell you all the time that if you're in Christ and you are surrendered and you are saved, then you are an ambassador for God. We talk about that verse often in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 20. It says, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be you reconciled to God. So we are ambassadors for God, ambassadors for heaven. Our duty as Christians is to get other people to Christ. 
And if we're living rebellious lives, we're not going to do that. You know, if you belong to Christ, it's not your reputation on the line anymore. It's his. You know, how we obey the law, how we treat other people. If we call ourselves Christians, and if we call ourselves followers of Christ, our behavior reflects on God's character. It reflects on him. It reflects on Jesus Christ himself. Our behavior reflects on the church of Christ. You know, everything we do, it shapes and it molds somebody else's view of who God is. It shapes and molds their view of the church that you go to. It shapes and molds their opinions about your faith, about what you profess to believe. You know, that is very important stuff. You know, that's not something that we should just blow over. And I, I told you at the beginning of this series, I didn't know how long that this series was going to be, that that was up to God. And uh, I've still got six more points to go, but I, I'm not going to try to rush through them just to be through with them. You know, I don't think anybody would learn anything from that. So if it takes the whole message to get through point six, then that, that's what we'll do. But it's very important how we conduct ourselves, you know, doing what is good. If we're not doing what is good, then we're giving God a bad name, and we're giving our faith a bad name. <clears throat> you know, you can ask almost anybody, uh, if you did a poll in Walmart and just gathered up some people and asked them why they didn't go to church anymore, and uh, a lot of them would say the same thing. And a lot of y'all already know what that answer is. It's because somebody in the church that called themselves a Christian did them wrong. They either did something to them or they said something to offend them. And, uh, you know, like I said, we are ambassadors for God. We're ambassadors for the kingdom of God. And what we say and what we do matters. And I would hate to stand before Christ and try to explain why somebody gave up on church and gave up on God and didn't surrender their life to him because of something that I said or something that I did to offend them. You know, that's a horrible thought, and that's a real thought for me. And a lot of y'all know, you know, my story before I was surrendered to Christ. You know, I've done things like that before I was truly surrendered while I was in church. And, uh, you know, that stuff haunts me all the time. And that, that should haunt all of us. You know, what we say and what we do to other people, how we treat them, it really does matter. You know, it could very well mean eternal life or eternal death for somebody else. You know, if we go back to Romans 13 and verse 5, it says, Wherefore, you must needs be subject, not only to wrath, but also for conscience sake. Can you do that in the NLT, Travis? I think it explains it a little better. It says, so you must submit to them, talking about authorities, not only to avoid punishment, uh, but also to keep a clear conscience. You know, I don't agree with everything the government does either, but I'm glad we have our government. You know, can you imagine life without a police force or the other government agencies that we have? It would be rough. There wouldn't be anybody in jail but there would still be somebody in charge, and it, it would not be the police. It wouldn't be the courthouse. It would be all the people that are in there that they are protecting us from. It would be the murderers and the rapists and the thieves, and you fill in the blank. You know, those would be the people 
in charge. It would just be chaos everywhere you went. Like I said, I don't agree with a lot of things that they do, but I'm not going to be one of the troublemakers that's making things worse. You know, that's what Paul's talking about. If we keep the law, if we're doing what's right, if we're doing the good thing, then we'll have a clear conscience. But if we don't, then we ha we have become part of the problem, and we won't have a clear conscience, not before men or before God. You know, verse 1, back to Romans 13 and verse 1, it says, Everyone must submit to governing authorities, for all authority comes from God. And those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. And we get prideful and we, we judge those people by our standards. And we forget that the Bible says they're placed there by God. And we either don't believe God or we know what his word says and we choose not to do it anyway. So, you know, when we go against them, we are going against God. Like Pastor Josh said, if it's going against God's word, then I'm sticking with God. But if there's rules and laws or whatever it is, and it don't go against God's word, then it's my duty as a Christian to obey the law, obey the rules. And I'm not perfect at it. You know, I speed too. I think everybody here speeds sometimes. You may not want or mean to, but we all do that one. But I do try to do my best to live within the law and try not to be part of the problem. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, like it said in verse 5, I'll have a clear conscience. <clears throat> and you will too if you're doing what's right. Uh, the next verse I'm not really fond of at all, uh, Romans 13 and verse 6, it says, pay your taxes too. For these same reasons, for government workers need to be paid, and they are serving God in what they do. You know, I really don't like that verse. I've had a really hard time for the last couple of years with the IRS, and it really makes me mad. It really bugs me to think that they're taking my little bit of money to pay them. But the last part of that verse says that they are serving God in what they do. So whether it makes me mad or it don't make me mad, whether I agree with them, I think it's fair, I think it's just, or any of that, that don't matter what my opinion is. That verse says they are serving God in what they do. Pay your taxes too, for the government workers need to be paid. And, uh, you know, whether I agree with that or not, I've got a choice. I can obey God's word and pay them or disobey God just because I don't like it. Uh, and that's a lot of verses in the Bible. You know, that's not me. That's what God's Word says. And like we talked about in point five, there's only two choices, good and evil, not good and bad. So it's good for me to do what God's Word says. It would be evil for me, even though I think it's unfair, even though it makes me angry, even though I don't agree with it. It would be absolutely wrong for me to not pay my taxes when God's word says to. Uh, James 4, verse 17, it says, Therefore to him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. So if I choose to go against God's word and not pay my taxes, knowing that that's what God's word says to do, that would be a sin. 
and sin is evil. So, yeah, it's our choice, even to do things that we think are not fair. Uh, one thing that helps me with paying my taxes, you know, that's where Mary and Joseph were going, and that's why Jesus was born where he was born. So if they weren't obedient and going to pay their taxes, then uh, prophecy would not have been fulfilled in the birth of Christ. So every time I go to pay my taxes, I think about that, and it makes it a whole lot easier for me. Uh, but if I don't pay them, it is sin, and I will pay the consequences for it. Not only will I have willfully disobeyed God, I'll have broken the law too, and then I'll have to suffer punishment for that, like we just read in Romans 13. And it's not just the law that we break and we have a problem with. It's simple rules, too. We're just rebellious people. That's in our sin nature. And it, it goes against our grain when people put any kind of rules on us. Uh, Colossians 3, verse 23, is talking about your job mostly. But if we take it literally, it says, Whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. Whatever you do. And, uh, you know, it's not just the law, it's rules, and it's not just rules. What about signs? You know, you see people ignoring signs all the time. Is that sin? We just read in James 4, 17, that if we know the right thing to do is what the sign says, and we don't do it anyway, then yes, that is rebellion against that, and that is sin. And you see it all the time, and it seems so unimportant that we don't even think about it you know i go to lowe's all the time and the door says exit only please use the other door but you can stand there you wouldn't be there five minutes and you'll see somebody i ain't walking all the way around there and they'll grab it and they'll pull the door open and uh, they go in anyway and like i said that seems like a tiny thing it seems harmless but it's not it's rebellion it really is at the very core of it that is rebellion, and it's pride. It's saying that don't apply to me, and rules don't matter. Uh, you know, James, we just read it, says that is sin, and that it's not good. It's not doing the right thing. And, uh, you know, like I said earlier, we are ambassadors. And if our children are watching us, or if a new believer is watching us, then we're teaching them it's okay to break rules. We're teaching them... <coughs> that it's okay to go against authority and it's okay to be rebellious. And by the time they're in their teens, then nobody can tell them what to do. You know, they won't listen. They won't listen to parents. They won't listen to teachers. They won't listen to any kind of authority because they started learning at an early age that don't apply to me. I, it's okay for me to break the rules. And because that seed was planted in them, you know, by doing something simple, like going in the exit door has grown into I can do whatever I want that don't apply to me. And, uh, you know, that sounds extreme, but it's not. You know, I see it every day. By the time people are adults and they've lived in rebellion their whole life, it carries over into not wanting to be obedient to God's Word. They've been breaking rules their whole life, you know, not paying attention to authority, not paying attention to the signs and everything else that we've been talking about. So when it comes to God's Word, they don't take that seriously either. It's no big deal to not do what I'm supposed to do. You know, 
you get the mindset of, I don't care what that says. I know what I want to do, and that's what I'm going to do. And, uh, you know, not doing what is good, not doing what is right now, does have eternal consequences. Every seed that's planted grows, and eventually it comes to a stopping point. Uh, Jesus says in Luke chapter 16 and verse 10, it says, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. So if I've lived my life in disobedience to the rules and being rebellious my whole life, the chances of me totally surrendering my life to Christ and his authority are not good. They're not good at all because I've been living in rebellion my whole life. It's no big deal to break the rules. It don't matter if I do what's right. I'll just do what I want. And when we get that kind of mindset, you know, it really hurts us in our faith because we're not used to being obedient. Little things do matter. You know, we've got signs out here in the driveway that say, wrong way, do not enter. And uh, we got them out there, and they're there for a reason. But every day, somebody drives up through there, you know, multiple times a day. What about the signs that say, don't feed the animals? You know, we've all done that at some point or another. Those things seem like they don't matter at all. But rebellion is a mindset. And when we get used to that mindset, then, you know, the root of that is pride. And we start thinking that does not apply to me, and we rebel against authority. Like I said, every seed grows up. So when we're disobedient in those little things, then we're going to be disobedient all the way up to God's word, and we won't have a problem with it. We won't see anything wrong with it. But like Jesus said, if we won't be obedient or faithful in those small things, we'll never be obedient in the bigger things that really do matter. So we need to do what is good in all things, like we read in Colossians 3.23, not just in the things that we decide are important. We need to be obedient in all things not just the ones that we pick and choose or when somebody's watching. I think God is always watching. I know he's always watching because that's what his word says. So it shouldn't matter if anybody else sees what we're doing or not. Uh, just knowing that God can see me should be enough to know that I need to do the right thing in all things, knowing that he's watching me. You know, if the sign says, please use the other door, just use the other door. It's not that hard to do the right thing. You know, it won't kill you. That's how we develop humility, by being subject to the authorities, by being obedient to the rules and not exalting ourselves above the rules. Just go by the rules and submit to authority and do what is good. You know, that is a, a very important point. Uh, moving on. Point number seven, we need to follow after what is good. And this is a, a really important point, too. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 15, it says, See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Uh, that's talking about believers and unbelievers. Paul is talking to people who have been in the faith for a while, 
and people who are new in the faith. And he's talking about people who aren't even in the faith yet. If we back up a little bit to verse 12 of 1 Thessalonians 5 and read through verse 14, it says, And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, and support the weak. Be patient towards all men. You know, like I said, that's talking about believers and unbelievers, people that have been in faith for a while, people who are new in the faith, and people that haven't even made the choice to have faith yet. Uh, Paul is telling the new believers to don't get frustrated at or offended by the people in the church that are above them and telling them what God's Word says. And we see that a lot when people that are used to that lifestyle of rebellion that we were talking about in point six. When people come in and you start explaining to them, you know, this is what we need to obey, this is what we need to obey, a lot of times people get offended. You know, they don't want somebody telling me what to do. And he's telling the new believers that they're not trying to tell you what to do. They're just trying to tell you what God's Word says. And he's trying to tell them, you know, be patient yourself, and then they have to be patient with you as well. They're doing it because they love you. And he's telling the believers that are trying to explain God's Word to the new believers in verse 14 to be patient with the new believers who are new in their faith, who are still weak in their faith. And realize that's where you started too. And that's why I like verse 15 so much. It says, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. You know, that includes everybody. There is no mine or yours or theirs. There's only one Jesus. And if we're all following him, and that's what we should be doing, uh, if we're all following him and seeking him, we can be at peace with one another, agreeing that we all need him, regardless of where we are in our faith. Whether I've been in my faith for a while, whether I'm a new believer, whether I'm just getting introduced to it, that equalizes us. You know, there is nobody above. There's not my Jesus and your Jesus and their Jesus. There's only one Jesus. And if we're all following him, that gets us all in the same place where we're equal. And uh, when we're following Christ, we have to leave our opinions out of it. That's where all the division comes from. Instead of doing what God's Word says and sharing the gospel, we've got to the place, especially in the modern-day church, where we want to add some of our opinion to it, and that's what gets people all messed up in their faith. You know, my I have opinions, like I just told you, my opinion about taxes and uh the way that they've been doing me the last couple of years. But that don't help you a bit. If I get you to agree with me, then chances are that's going to get you to disobey God's Word. And that's not what I want at all. So my opinion can't save you. My opinion, uh, even if I don't mean for it to, will lead you in the wrong direction. You know, my opinion can't save anybody. And yours can't either. Only the truth about Jesus can do that. You know, with opinions, that comes all kinds of bad things. With opinions come gossip. Uh, with opinions come judgment and anger. 
with opinions come division in the church and in relationships. Uh, with our opinions come all the things that God hates. And I never want to do anything that God hates. You know, we went over these verses just a couple of months ago in Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19. It's talking about things that God hates. And I want to share those with you again tonight. But, uh, Proverbs 6, verses 16 through 19. It says, These six things does the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked imaginations. Feet that be swift and run into mischief. A false witness that speaks lies. And he that sows discord among the brethren. <coughs> You know, <coughs> if you think about your opinion while reading those verses, <coughs> excuse me, you'll see that's where <coughs> all of those things are produced. You know, I, <coughs> excuse me. Oh. You know, my opinion <coughs> says that I'm better than you are. <coughs> and that's not Christ-like at all. <coughs> if we're following anything else but Jesus, those are the results that we're going to get eventually. You know, opinions, like I said, they lead to gossip and gossip leads to destruction every <coughs> every single time. Ugh, sorry about that. I'm getting choked up. But opinions do lead to gossip. <coughs> and gossip does lead to destruction every time. Uh, there are no innocent people or nobody that don't get hurt in gossip. Pastor Josh talked about that a couple of weeks ago. You know, when gossip gets full circle, and when it finally makes its way back to the person that it's about, whether it's true or whether it's not true, it just completely devastates that person. I don't know if you've ever had that happen to you. Uh, you know, a rumor has got back to you about yourself when you hear it. It's hard to take, you know. You're like, how could somebody say that about me? And uh, it just causes all kinds of problems. It ruins relationships. It destroys trust, you know. It kind of erases a relationship because without trust, the relationship is pretty much over. And uh, once gossip gets out and once it makes full circle and gets back to the person that it was about, you know, there is no erasing it. You can't take it back. You can't unsay it. You can't say, well, I didn't say that or I didn't mean that because at that point, it don't matter whether you meant it or not. It's already out there. And uh, even more opinions have been made about that person. 
you know, whether it was true or whether it wasn't true. You know, the labels are already on that person, and now that person has to live with that, has to live <coughs> with the consequences of gossip and what it's done to them. And I've seen that destroy a lot of relationships. That is one of the worst things that a Christian could ever do is gossip about somebody else. And like we talked about a while ago, you know, that could be the reason that that person never goes to church again and never trusts God again, never opens up to anybody else again. You know, we are the church. And if we aren't doing good, we just read a while ago in Matthew chapter 12 where Jesus said in verse 30 that he that is not with me is against me. And he that gathers not with me scatters abroad. You know, Jesus says if we're not with him, then we're scattering his church instead of gathering them together like we're supposed to and being a church family. If we're going around doing those those things that God hates that we just read, then we're scattering the church. We're uh, destroying the church from the inside out. We can't do that. But we have to follow that which is good. We have to follow Jesus. You know, if Jesus is not okay with it, if God's word is not okay with it, then we don't need to follow it. We need to say, I'm not doing that because God says that's wrong. Uh, this may seem like a stupid illustration to you too, but it's not. I've seen this in real time. I've seen it happen. And I've seen it absolutely wreck lives. You know, I don't know how many grown men that I've dealt with and grown women too that have came and started a new life. Uh, we're on the right track. We're doing really good and growing in their faith, following Jesus, you know, doing Bible studies and just growing in their faith and doing really good. And then for some reason or another, they start following things on TikTok, and within a month, they were not even in church anymore. You know, they quit coming to Bible study, they quit coming to church, try to call them, they block your number. And that, that seems stupid, but I have seen that happen a few times. You know, whether they were saved or not, that's between them and God. Only God and them know that. And if they were saved, they still are. But they're not following Jesus anymore. They're following something else and uh, that is a real thing i have a special dislike for tiktok i really do because i love those people and i miss those people and uh you know satan will use something as stupid as that to lure people away from christ and it seems simple to start with it's something to make you laugh and then it's something to get you to listen to a different kind of music and then it's to, uh, get you to listen to a a false teaching or whatever it is but there are so many things on that TikTok that leads people away from Christ and uh, I don't even know what the number is I know it's above five people that I've known in the last two or three years that that has happened to were doing great in their faith and then they started following that and it just destroyed their faith so uh, like that verse said in Romans 12, 9, abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. I abhor TikTok because I've seen what it's done to people. And uh, we have to cleave to what is good. 
we have to cleave to Jesus. And like I said a second ago, if something leads us away from Christ, then we don't need to follow that. We need to follow him. There's nothing else this world has to offer that's going to lead you to God. And if you're following anything else that this world has, it will lead you away from God, not to him. First uh, John chapter 2 and verse 15 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. The things this world wants you to follow, God's not in. God's not in those things. If you're going to follow Jesus, we have to follow him, and we have to let God's word be our guide. That's why Jesus had the simple command to his disciples, follow me. You know, if you're following anything else, you're going the wrong way. It's just that simple. We have to, it's hard to follow that which is good in this world. It really is. You know, it's not easy. When I got back into town Monday, uh, me and Josh were talking just for a few minutes, and we were talking about, you know, it's easy to to quote verses and to teach this stuff, but when it comes time to apply these things in your life, it's hard sometimes to do what's right. It's hard to follow that which is good in this world. And there's more things to follow now than there ever has been. You know, TikTok's just one of them. You know, but with the Internet and social media, there are literally billions of things that you can follow. Everything you open, every little thing you see on your phone, everything on your computer, it's got how many followers it has. And uh, there are literally billions of things to follow. But if we follow that which is good, we have to follow Jesus. And we have to stop following. If you have to stop following Jesus to follow anything else, then we need to leave it alone because it's not from God. Uh, you know, we've got some good teenagers here in the church, and not just teenagers, we've got good kids too, but I believe it's especially hard right now on teenagers today to follow Christ. <coughs> One of them was talking last night at Celebrate Restoration, and I'm not going to say who it is, but uh, I'm not going to say their name because I don't want to put a target on their back. You know, life's hard enough for teenagers now. But they said it's so hard to follow Jesus at school. You know, there's so many distractions, and it's so chaotic, and it's a battle minute by minute to stay submitted to the Lord, to stay focused on Jesus while I'm surrounded by everything else that's being thrown at me at school. You know, I can't imagine being a teenager in today's society. You know, I'm not even going to try to say I understand how hard that is and what that's like because I don't understand how hard that is. And uh, I don't think any of us really have a, an idea of how hard it is for our teens and in the schools and the society that we have today. You know, it's hard, it's hard enough following Jesus as an adult. I can't imagine being a teenager in today's society. So we all need to be in prayer for, for all of our teenagers. They're in a battle, a, a hard battle not just at school, but on the Internet, on their phones, in the music, everything. So be praying for our teenagers, that they will have the courage and the faith to follow that which is good. And not just our teenagers, we need to pray for all of our children. And we need to pray for each other, even as adults. 
it's hard for us to follow, which is good too. Uh, a good thing for us to do, and I try to do this, is we need to keep a list of the fruits of the Spirit that you find in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. And that word temperance just means self-control. Against such things there is no law. But we need to keep the list of those somewhere. And, uh, you know, don't follow things that don't produce those. Because if they don't, if you're following something that don't produce any of those fruits, then it's going to produce something. It'll produce the things that we looked at earlier in Proverbs chapter 6. It's going to produce those things that God hates. And uh, we don't want to do that. But we've made it through point seven, and uh, next week, God willing, we'll pick up in point eight. I've got 11 points, so maybe we can uh, finish up the good part of this series next week. But we are out of time. But I never want to end the service without sharing the gospel and giving you an opportunity to give your life to Christ if you've never done that. Uh, so if you know, if you're here tonight and you've never surrendered your life to Christ and you know you need a Savior and you know you haven't surrendered to Him yet, I'd like to give you that opportunity to do that. And it's really simple to do. All you have to do is know in your heart that your relationship with God is not where it's supposed to be and that Jesus Christ died for your sins on the cross and that His sacrifice was enough and that God was pleased with that. And he raised him again the third day. Uh, if you believe that in your heart and you ask Jesus to come into your life and save you, he will right there where you're at. It's as simple as that. And uh, I'll give you some scripture on that. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 says, If you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Verse 10 says, For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So if today's the day you want to surrender your life to Christ, just cry out to God and say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I need a Savior. And invite Jesus into your heart. Ask him to become your Lord, and he will. And then just start being obedient to him. But that verse says, And with the your mouth confession is made unto salvation. If today is the day that you have surrendered your life to Christ, then tell somebody about it. I mean, you don't have to go make a big public display of it. Just call somebody and tell them, hey, I chose to give my life to Christ today. And the Bible says if you've done that, then you are saved. And then you start living by faith, being obedient to God and what his word says. And the Holy Spirit will come in and guide you too and let you know what's right and what is good. But don't ever let anybody tell you you've been too far, uh, that God can't save you. Because Romans 10, 13 says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And one of my favorite verses is Romans 5 and verse 8. says, God showed his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Uh, that's the whole reason Christ came, because he knew that we would all be born with a sin nature, and we all needed a Savior. There's nobody on the planet that's going to get to heaven without Christ. Everybody has to get saved to go to heaven. 
and uh, we're all born with the sin nature. So don't don't listen to people that tell you you've got to get straightened up and then go to church. You can't straighten up without Christ. You can come just as you are and surrender your life to Him, and He will save you right where you are. And then God will help you uh, get your life together and uh, give you eternal life. You know, I, I know a lot of times when we hear preaching, we think, you know, it makes us feel condemned about ourselves. But every sermon you hear, every time you read God's Word, it's not to condemn you at all. We just read that a while ago. God didn't come to condemn us. It's to lead you. It, you know, the more we learn, we take what we learn, and it gives you something to evaluate yourself with. And see if you are following Christ. See if you are following what that thing that is good. You know, and if you're not, that gives you the opportunity to change direction. So, you know, nothing that's ever preached here and nothing in God's Word is ever to condemn you. It's always to help you. It's always to show you, like I said, so you can evaluate yourself and see if there's any changes you need to make. But I hope tonight's message helps somebody. And uh, like I said, next week we'll pick up in point eight. Let me pray for us, and we will be dismissed. Thank you all for coming out. It was good to see all of you. And thank you again for tuning in if you're watching online. Father, I just thank you for the message that you gave me for tonight. And I'm looking forward to next week's message, Lord. God, I pray that you will help us uh, to remember these things that you're saying to us. And Lord, I pray that you help us to remember men in our everyday lives when we're just going through our everyday routines, our everyday work, our everyday relationships. God, I pray that you would bring these into remembrance and help us, Father, to do those things that are good. Help us choose, Lord, to be submitted to you and to do the right thing, even when we don't, when we don't like it, even when we think it's not right, God. When you lay it on our heart that, this is the right way to go. I pray that you give us the courage, Lord, and the humility to do the right things. And uh, I pray that you help us to do them for the right reason, too, God, and that is to please you. God, I pray that you be with each of us and get us home safely. And Lord, I just thank you again for the message tonight. And Lord, we just thank you so much for loving us, and we love you, too. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.